Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 19. That's where we're going to be today. If you remember last week, we we finished up Acts 18, and we started looking at Acts 19, and we got through the first 12 verses. And if you'll remember, I told you uh, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, he was known as an evangelist. I mean, he went everywhere that God led him to go, and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And I believe uh, Paul wanted to see, I believe the heart of Paul, he wanted to see people surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, just as he surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so Paul was known as an evangelist, but what we found out also Uh, in Acts chapter 18, in the beginning of uh, chapter 19, is that Paul loved discipleship. He always had a heart to go back to the places that he visited first and shared the gospel. He wanted to go back to those places and make sure that those who received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior were growing up in their faith. They were growing up in the word of the Lord. Listen, the word of the Lord mattered to Paul. I believe that. As a matter of fact, I want to ask you a question this morning. It's a question that we've got to, we've got to come to grips with. You ready for it? How important is the word of the Lord to you today? How important is the word of the Lord to you today? Do you know that every day we have conversations with people? And in conversations with people, do you know what we generally do? We generally talk to them about things that are important to us. For example, right now it's football season. And right now you may be an LSU Tiger fan that is suffering. And, and maybe this morning all you want to talk about is the lack of defense or whatever, right? Because sometimes that's important to you. You know what? I, I love the fall. Anybody else love the fall? I do. I love the changing of the colors. I love the cool wind that kind of starts sneaking in, even though it's about that much of it. Um, I, I love the fall. And you know what happens this time of the year? We start talking about the crops that have just finished up and the leaves that are turning colors. We, we talk about things that are important to us. Uh, listen, family, how many times do you have conversations, mamas and daddies, about your children, right? About where they are in school or if they're Growing up, and if they're grown-ups like some of ours now, we talk about their jobs, and we love to talk about our families because they're important, okay? And listen, I'm not here to knock those things. I believe, I believe those are good things. But when that's all we talk about and we don't get to the Lord, I believe that shows us just how important the Lord is to us. Because here's the thing. Without the Lord, I don't have a family. Without the Lord, I don't have things that will matter as much. See, with the Lord, He makes me that much more thankful for my family. With the Lord, He makes me that much more thankful for the the hobbies and the things that we get to enjoy. I remember many times I would go play golf with Don, and I'd try to be like Don and some of these guys who are good at golf, but I could never swing like them and get it as close to the the pin like them. But I remember one time, and I've said this before, but it just reminds me. Right? I remember one time, I can't remember where we were, Don, I think maybe Hot Springs or something. We went on a trip, and we were, we were standing at a place where we were about to tee off. And I'm looking down, and the, 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 the green is way, way down there. And Don said, hang on, guys. Y'all, y'all just look at this. Just look around. God gave us this. Let, let's, just, let's just stand here and think about what God gave us to enjoy. Right? 
in the midst of having fun and doing something that was important to us, Don gave me a very good reminder that morning, right? Be thankful. Be thankful to God because without God, this isn't possible. So I want to ask you again, how important is the word of the Lord to you today? Because if it is important to you, then what you will find is that it will be very easy for you to talk about the Lord in the conversations that you have with people, even when you're talking about family, even when you're talking about jobs, even when you're talking about sports and those kinds of things, right? How important is the word of the Lord to you today? Now, I want to get back to to Acts chapter 19, and I want to get back to Paul. Because here's the thing, just as important as evangelism was, and just as important as discipleship was, here is the truth that we see in the life of Paul And here is the truth that we can embrace today and know today. Without the word of the Lord, there is no true evangelism. And there is no discipleship. Do you hear me? You you can't evangelize your community about being good. You can only evangelize your community with the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord that shows us who we are apart from Jesus Christ and who we can be and who we are in Jesus Christ. Only the Word of the Lord can do that. If you want to disciple people, if you want to take those new believers in Jesus Christ and you want them to grow in their faith and you want to see that growth in their faith, you can't do that apart from the Word of the Lord. You can't. It's not about programs or activities or events. It's got to be about the Word of the Lord. The Word of the Lord should be the one driving your programs. The Word of the Lord should be the one driving your activities and your events. It should all come back to the Word of the Lord. The Word of the Lord is essential. It is absolutely essential when it comes to reaching the lost and when it comes to growing in our faith as believers. And so that's what we see in in Paul. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. And as a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 19, Paul made his way to a place called Ephesus. That's where we ended last week. He was preaching the life, the death, and the resurrection to the people in Ephesus. Now, I didn't do that last week, but I want to do it this week. I want to tell you just a little bit about Ephesus, okay? Ephesus was a very important ancient city. As a matter of fact, it was one of the largest and most impressive cities in the ancient world. It was located right there in Asia Minor, which was on the west side of the Aegean Sea, uh, if you think about Athens, Greece, if you'll cross the Asian, uh, the Asian Sea, then that's where Ephesus will be. It's directly across from Athens, Greece. But it was a large city, a very important city. As a matter of fact, theologians tell us during Paul's day that it was estimated 250,000 people lived in Ephesus. Now, while they were living there, as you can imagine, uh, on, the, on the Aegean Sea, right, There was a lot of trade. There was a lot of commerce. It was a very uh, influential city as far as politics and money and all of those things. But with that, we see all kinds of religions, okay? All kinds of religions. As a matter of fact, in the city of Ephesus, the founding fathers of that city, they believed that the Greek goddess Artemis actually fell in their city. And so they actually raised up a statue to the Greek goddess Artemis. They even built a temple to her that was once considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This temple, uh, so 
If you go to Nashville, in Nashville, they, they've got the Parthenon. Have you ever seen anybody ever been there before? Okay, so, so we went there for a conference one time, and, and me and Brother Andy and Brother Jeremy and Brother Brandon, you know, we got to go in and see it's, this thing is big. Did you know that in Ephesus, the temple to the Greek goddess Artemis was four times larger than the Parthenon? Like, this, this thing was huge. As a matter of fact, you could stand at any one of the points in Ephesus, north, south, east, and west, and if you looked toward the temple, you could see it no matter where you were. No matter how high or how low, you could see the temple. I mean, they loved this Greek goddess Artemis. Uh, again, a lot of worship was going on, but it was not the worship of Almighty God. It was not worship of the Lord that Paul preached. It was worship of this false goddess and other false gods. And so right there in Acts chapter 19, in verse 10, we, we see Paul's heart. And we see what he was doing. As a matter of fact, it says that Paul was there for two years, right? He was discipling these new believers. And it says this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard what? What did they hear? The word of the Lord, right? Listen to me. Paul had a lot of things he could have talked about. He could have talked about all of his journeys and all the people that he met. He could have talked about tent making, which I'm sure he did from time to time. But do you know what mattered most to Paul? It was the word of the Lord. And so what he was known for was preaching the word of the Lord. Listen, Paul, we already know this. Paul was led by the Holy Spirit of God to Ephesus. This was not some accidental trip. This was not some coincidence. He was not trying to get to one place and just happen to be there. No, the Holy Spirit of God led Paul to Ephesus. Why? Because he was, he was called to preach the word of the Lord. And we see that it wasn't just Jews, it was Jews and Greeks. He was called to preach the word of the Lord to anybody and everybody he came across. When he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was preaching the perfect life of Jesus Christ. Jesus never sinned. He was preaching about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the death on the cross. Jesus went to the cross to die because of and for all of our sins. And I know that he was preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ, when they crucified him and they, and they took him off that cross, they put him into the, into the tomb and many of those who wanted Jesus dead said, now it's done. But Paul said, no, it wasn't done until the, until the stone was rolled away because Jesus came out of that grave. He rose from the grave and he defeated sin and death so that we might live fully and eternally. That's what, Je- that's what Paul preached. He preached the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you know what else he preached? He preached the name of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus. That's what he did, the power of the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Peter and John, if you'll remember, we've already covered this back in Acts chapter 4, but Peter and John, they stood before the Sanhedrin. Right, the, These religious know-it-alls, these religious people who, who knew all of the law and said it was, oh, it was law that would save you. And Peter and John said, no, it is not law that saves, only Jesus saves. As a matter of fact, don't take my word for it. Listen to what they said, Acts chapter 4, uh, four verse 12. This is what Peter said to the Sanhedrin. Salvation is found in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved except Jesus. Jesus, the name of Jesus. In that passage, the leaders, they looked at Peter and John. And do you know what they said about Peter and John? If you keep reading in Acts chapter 4, it says they looked at Peter and John and they said, Who are these guys? These are just ordinary men. These aren't educated men. As a matter of fact, these are uneducated men according to our standards. But here's what they recognized about Peter and John. You ready for this? Here's what they recognized. These men have been with Jesus. Right? Of all the things they could have said about Peter and John, this was the one thing that they could agree on. These men have been with Jesus. And guess what? Peter and John, they turned that community upside right. You probably expected me to say upside down, but here's the thing. It was already upside down. They preached the truth of Jesus Christ, and they turned that community upside right. Let me tell you about Ephesus. Ephesus was upside down when Paul got there. They were worshiping false gods. They were practicing idolatry. There was a lot of sexual immorality going on as well because that false goddess Artemis, she was the goddess of fertility. And so outside of that massive, huge temple, do you know what we found? We found temple prostitutes. So there was all kinds of immorality, all kinds of idolatry. It was upside down. And Paul went in, and he preached Jesus Christ. Paul was giving them the message that they needed to hear. They needed to be set free from the penalty and the bondage of the sin that they were living in. And Paul said, I got it. It's Jesus. Let me point you to the man who can. Brother Wayne used to sing that song all the time. I know a man who can. Woo! Paul did, and Paul preached him. Jesus Christ. I wonder today, I think about Peter and John. I think about these apostles in the book of Acts. I think about Paul, since that's who we're looking at today. I wonder today, are we any different? I mean, think about it. Are we any different today? Am I any different? Because here's the truth, right? I'm just a regular man. I'm just an ordinary person. And let me just tell you something. As an ordinary person, as a regular person, what will make the difference in my home? What will make the difference in my church? What will make the difference in my community? What will make the difference in our schools? What will make the difference in our workplaces? It is not, it is not our experience. It is not our education level. It is not our position. It is not our title. You know what will make the difference? Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes the difference. So when I'm in conversation with someone and I hear their burden, I hear, I hear the pain, I hear anything in their life that is distracting them from who God is, I've got to get to Jesus with them as quick as I can. Because Jesus is the only one who can heal the broken heart. Jesus is the only one who can give us hope. You want to know why? Because he is the hope. There is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus is our hope. And so I wonder today when someone talks to me, when someone hears me, when someone looks at me, I wonder today when they walk off and they turn around and they look again and they think about what I said, I wonder can they say this, uh, that guy's been with Jesus. Because here's the thing, whatever's the most important to you, that's what people are going to remember and walk away thinking about you. 
I wonder can they say of me, I wonder can they say of you, that, that person's been with Jesus. That person loves the Lord. So the question that I really have to answer is this, am I spending adequate time with Jesus by being in the Word of the Lord? People say all, all the time, Brother Jeff, I just want to know Jesus more. I, I, I just want to give Jesus more. I just want Jesus to have control. I want Jesus to just take me and use me and guide me and direct me. I hear that all the time. You know what question I ask? Are you in the Word? Is the Word in you? Because here's the truth. If you want to know Jesus, all you got to do is open this up. All you got to do is open this up because Jesus is here. From Genesis to Revelation, every chapter, every verse, every word, it's Jesus. So if you want to know Jesus more, listen, you don't have to come to church. You don't have to go listen to the podcast. All you got to do is open your Bible. And you'll have enough of Jesus. Because His Word is enough. Now can you go to church? I hope you do. Can you be at church? I hope you are. Can you, can you listen to those podcasts? I had someone text me just a few days ago. Hey, Brother Jeff, who do you listen to? What podcast do you listen to, you know, when you're running or, or when you're in your car? And I sent them some podcasts. I sent them, you know, some Dr. Tony Evans. I sent them some David Jeremiah. I, I sent them some Tony Merida, some pastors that I listen to. Those are good things. But here's the truth. If I want to know Jesus, all I got to do is look right here. So, so the question I ask myself is, am I, am I adequate with my time in the word of the Lord so that I can know Jesus and Jesus can know me, so that I can hear Jesus speak, so that I can be who Jesus wants me to be? Am I spending adequate time with Jesus by being in the word of the Lord? Listen, the word of the Lord, it should matter to you if you're a Christ follower. If the word of the Lord doesn't matter to you, I would ask you to retrace your steps and ask this question. Am I truly a Christ follower? Have I truly surrendered my heart to Jesus? Have I given Him my life? Have I died to self and taken up the cross and followed Him? Because if the word of the Lord is not, if it doesn't matter to you, I hate to tell you, Jesus don't matter to you. And you say, whoa, Brother Jeff, whoa. I'll tell you what, you go to John chapter 1 and read the first four or five verses. And you'll understand why I say that. If the word of the Lord doesn't matter to you, then Jesus don't matter to you. You want to know why? Because in John chapter 1, it says the word became flesh. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh. So guess who the word is? Say it again. Jesus. So again, if the word of the Lord doesn't matter to you, then Jesus don't matter to you. That's the truth that will set you free right there. So watch what happens. Paul, he's known, he's known because of Jesus. When they see him, they say, this man's been with Jesus. He's fixing to preach Jesus. They knew what was coming, right? They knew what was coming when they saw Paul. Here we go again. He's going to talk about Jesus. That's all he talks about. It's going to be about Jesus. And guess what? They write. And watch what happens, right? Because he proclaimed Jesus, everybody, it says everybody, right? It says the Jews and the Greeks heard the word of the Lord. And watch what happens in verse 13. It says some Jews 
who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord over those who were demon-possessed. Notice it says they tried to invoke the name of the Lord. That means they were unsuccessful. And here's why, right? Here, Here we go. It says they tried to invoke the name of the Lord over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Right? So in other words, they're trying to ride the coattails of somebody else. Do you see that? They're, They're talking to these evil spirits, not in the name that they possess, but in the name that Paul possesses. They they want to do the same thing Paul's doing, but they don't want to pay the same price that Paul's paying. So it says they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Verse 14, these seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, hey, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? In, In Jeff's language, it's like, who do you think you're talking to? Sons of Sceva, right? Who do you think you're talking? Who are you, right? And look at verse 16. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I mean, he didn't just beat them up. He tore their clothes off and sent them out, right? I, I mean, this, this, is, this, is, this is crazy. Like you can't, they ain't, no, they ain't a writer or director or, or producer on earth who can write this story. God wrote this story, and God is showing us this story for a reason. See, theologians tell us that Jewish exorcism and these Jewish exorcists who lived in Ephesus, they were very popular. They were so popular that people would pay them. Uh-huh. Yeah, people would pay them to come do this magic. They were known as sorcerers. They were known as wizards. They weren't known as men who had been with Jesus. Do you see the difference? And so these seven men, they used what was known as syncretism. Now you're going, Brother Jeff, that's a fancy word. What does that word syncretism mean? Well, again, in the ancient days, what they would do is they would take this Hebrew mysticism, See, they had all the scrolls, and they had all the stories, but they did not truly have Jesus. And so they, they trusted in stories, they trusted in tales, and then they took a little bit of Christian, right? A little bit of Jesus and tried to mix it up as a magic potion. That's what they tried to do. That's called syncretism. The combination of Hebrew mysticism and Christian miracles of the early church. And so they were known as wizards and sorcerers. And here's what they were known for. They were known for trying to use the name of Jesus apart from his spirit and his word, and they failed. Right? That's what we see here. We, we see a group of men who tried to monopolize the name of Jesus for their own good, for their own benefit, They tried to use the name of Jesus but did not truly possess his spirit and they certainly didn't preach his word. And guess what happened? They failed. They failed miserably. They were beaten. Listen, I know we read right here and they were beaten physically, but they were beaten in every kind of way. Mentally, they were broken. Spiritually, they were broken. The the evil spirit 
when he talked to them, he actually used a form of the word know when he says, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know about, but who are you? Listen to this. The evil spirit used a form of the word know. In the Greek, he used the word gnosko, which means an experience. So when he said, hey, Jesus, I know. Do you know what this evil spirit, you know what this evil spirit knew about Jesus? He had an experience with him. Jesus had already talked to him. He had already had an encounter with Jesus. Then, when he's talking about Paul, he uses the Greek word epistemai. Epistemai, that means he heard about. Right? He had heard about Paul and what Paul was doing, but he had not had an experience with Paul. But here's what he said. I don't know who you are, but I do know this. You ain't got Jesus. Because here's the thing. If these men had Jesus... That spirit would have been shaken in his boots. And he would have known what was coming, and he wouldn't have talked to them the way he did. So here's what that, that evil spirit knew about these guys. These men hadn't been with Jesus. The Sanhedrin, they looked at Peter and John and said, I don't like what they're saying, but here's the thing. They've been with Jesus. When, when Paul was coming, they knew who Paul was. He was a man Filled with Jesus because that's all that came out of his mouth. Jesus, Jesus. And they saw the miracles. Remember in, in, in the first 12 verses, people were taking the handkerchiefs that Paul used and the aprons that he wore and they were being healed by it. Oh, yeah. Again, that's not my word. Just read Acts chapter 18, verse 19. You'll see it. And so... These evil spirits, they didn't see Jesus in these, in these men who tried to use his name. I, 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 think this, I think what happens here when Paul, when Paul was seeing this and experiencing this and when Luke, the, who many believe wrote the book of Acts, when Luke was writing this down, I, I believe we can, we can move forward, right? See, see, here's the thing. The evil spirits could spot fakes. The evil spirits could spot fakes. You know what? It's hard sometimes for me and you to spot a fake, right? Because people can wear the shirt that says Jesus lives or I've got one. I wore one the other day that says death could not hold him down. Okay? I, I, I was wearing it and, and, and a girl at a restaurant, well, let me just go tell you. I was standing in line at Chick-fil-A. Anyway, a, a girl saw my shirt and she said, ooh, she said, that's an Easter shirt, isn't it? And I said, no, it's a Jesus shirt. I was just playing with her, right? I said, no, I see where you're going there. Yeah. You could say it's an Easter shirt because it's about the resurrection. And she said, that's cool. I said, it is. It's very cool. I said, he's changed my life. How about you? She said, oh, yes, sir. She said, I'm a Christian. I said, me too. And we just high-fived each other and went on to eat our, our holy chicken. But anyway, hey, listen, listen. Anybody can put a shirt on. Anybody can put a shirt on. Anybody can. Listen, anybody can jump up there and get in that start water and say, oh, I've been baptized. Anybody can, can take a verse out of Scripture and say, oh, yeah, I, my favorite verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, right? Anybody can do that. But here's the thing. If you ain't got Jesus, you ain't got nothing. If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, if you have not surrendered your whole heart and life to him, you got nothing. That shirt ain't getting you to heaven, okay? That water... Start water ain't getting you to heaven, okay? And I love start. Pretty good water, too. But, again, I, only Jesus. Only Jesus. 
These evil spirits, they spotted these fakes. Y'all a bunch of fakes. You using the name of Jesus and you ain't even got him. You, you using the name of Jesus and his spirit ain't in you. You haven't even spoken a word of the Lord. And he whipped their tails. Kind of makes me think that's why Paul said this. You ready? Paul said this in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. God cannot be mocked. Here's the thing. I can fool you and you can fool me. We ain't fooling God. And let me tell you something else. We ain't fooling the demons either. We ain't fooling the demons. So here's another question, right? The first question was, am I spending adequate time with Jesus by being in the word of the Lord? Here's another question. Am I speaking the name of Jesus from a heart filled with his spirit and his word? Or am I just saying Jesus and thinking I'm going to get some good luck? Oh, I'm just going to say Jesus because then I'll get some good luck. I'm going to tell you something. You can say Jesus all day long. But if Jesus ain't your Lord and Savior, (laughs) you're still in the flesh. And guess what you're going to reap? You're going to reap the flesh. And what did Paul say the flesh was? Destruction. Unless you're speaking from the Spirit. And what did he say about the Spirit? The Spirit gives you what? Life. Eternal life. So am I speaking the name of Jesus from a heart filled with His Spirit and filled with His Word because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. We, we continue to read, and I want you to see this, because it's, 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 it's the name of the Lord and it's the Word of the Lord that matters more than anything to Paul. Listen to this in Acts chapter 19, verse 17. It says, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus. In other words, they saw what Paul was, and they heard what Paul was saying, and then they saw these seven sons of Sceva, right, who tried to use the name of Jesus, but didn't truly have Jesus. Watch what happens. It says, when this became known to the Greeks and Jews living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and watch this. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed, so guess what happened? Many people recognized, oh, I can fake him and I can fake her, but I can't fake it to Jesus. I'm busted. I'm guilty. But I don't want to stay there. So what we see right here is that many people turned from sin and self and turned to Jesus. Because it says... Right? It says, many of those who believed, watch this, now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. Now, you might be going, what is a drachmas, Brother Jeff? What does that mean? I mean, that could be 50,000 pennies. Wrong. Let me tell you. A drachma was a silver coin that was worth a day's wages. That's what it was. So it says, when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, 
The word of the Lord. Do you see that? It doesn't say the name of Paul. It doesn't say anything about the sons of Sceva. It says in this way, because of what happened, it says in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and what happened? Grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. And he said, after I've been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. This, to me, is an incredible passage of Scripture. Verses 17 through 22. This this is incredible. In his commentary, I love what Pastor Tony Merida says. He's one of those pastors I tell you I listen to a lot. I I love to listen to Pastor Tony Merida preach. As a matter of fact, um, he's part of a series called uh, Exalting Christ in the Scriptures. In other words, he believes that if you preach from the Bible, you better get to Jesus or you failed. That's pretty, that's pretty good, right? If you don't get to Jesus, then you fail. And so I love Pastor Tony Merida because he's all about Jesus, kind of like a modern-day Paul for me. But listen to what he says. He says in his commentary, Pastor Tony Merida, people should magnify the name of Jesus in worship, never trying to misuse it for personal gain or, in this case, for witchcraft. Only Jesus' people have the Spirit of God in them. And this episode shows us the reality and the influence of the devil and his demons. But most importantly, it shows us the superior power of Jesus Christ over all forms of power on this earth. I love that. He's absolutely right. It it may have looked like Ephesus was just upside down and there was no hope. But I'm going to tell you something. Paul was there, and he was preaching the word of the Lord, and he was preaching the name of Jesus, and hope was there. As ugly and dark and sinful as this place looked, Paul was there filled by the Spirit of God and filled with the Word of God, and he was pouring it out. And the name of Jesus was saving lives. See, the Bible says that many new believers experience salvation and life change, right? Through the power of Jesus' name and word. I'm going to say that again. Salvation came to many, many people. Lives were changed. And it was only because of the name of Jesus being lifted up by a Jesus disciple. And by the word of the Lord that was being preached and proclaimed. It wasn't some good deeds. It wasn't some good organization. Listen, our world is full of good organizations doing good things out there. We can even go out there and and feed people some good food. Right, right. We can can have events and high-five people and smile at them. But if we don't give them Jesus, what have we truly done for them? I'll use one word, nothing. If we don't get to Jesus, we've done nothing. Because anybody can do some good stuff. Anybody can party and celebrate. Anybody can feed food. But Christ followers have got to be about Jesus and about sharing Jesus with the world. That's got to be first. That's got to be priority. Each, Each one, right? Each one of these new believers, they made the choice to repent of their sin. They feared the Lord. They didn't fear Artemis whose big statue was casting a shadow, whose huge temple filled the grounds, 
No, it said they feared the Lord. And because of their fear for the Lord, they recognized their own sinfulness. But they didn't stay there. They turned from their sin. That's repentance. And they trusted in Jesus who was preached. I I love this. Listen, verse 17 says they held the name of the Lord Jesus in high honor. Verse 20 says, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Listen, the word of the Lord didn't need people to make it powerful. What that verse means is, is that the power of the word was now being experienced in the people. It was an experience. They were being set free from that penalty and the bondage of sin that they had lived in. Listen, this is crazy to me. Do you understand that the scrolls that were burned... That 50,000 drachmas, have you done the math? I tried. Now, let me, let me make a disclaimer here. I have an English degree and not a math degree. So if you have a math degree, you might can help me. But theologians, right, whom I've trusted, this is what they said. The scrolls that were burned were worth 50,000 drachmas, which would be one man's, listen to this, 137 years worth of salary. So if I started working at age one and lived 137 years and worked every day for 137 years, that's how much all of those scrolls that got burned up were worth. So don't, don't, tell me that, don't tell me Jesus didn't do something. Oh, he did something. He did something. He changed hearts. He changed lives. And you know what? These people recognized all that I've spent on this monetarily, and all the trust and all the value I've put in it, it's worthless. As a matter of fact, here's what they could have done. They could have went and sold them to somebody else and made their money back. Right? Oh, they could have done that. They could have went to other wizards and other sorcerers and said, hey, here's these scrolls. Here, give me, give me $5. Give me, give me five coins. Maybe I can get something back. That's not what they did. Do, do you understand that? They burned them up because here's what they realized. Right? I don't want somebody else. I don't want somebody else under the control of something that's not real. So why would I sell that or give that away to somebody else? I'm going to burn it up because it's trash anyway. I'm going to tell you something. That's what Jesus will do. That's what Jesus will do. To anything that that has attached itself to you, anything that, that maybe even you are still trying to hold on to, man, when you get in Jesus and Jesus gets in you, He will set you free. Set you free. And that's what happened right here. So here's another question. I've asked you too, right? Am I spending adequate time with Jesus by being in the Word of the Lord? Am I using the name of Jesus because His Spirit indwells me and His Word indwells me? Here's the real question that we got to get to. Have I truly repented of my sin and embraced Jesus Christ in my heart as Lord? Because that's what matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Have I come to a place where I recognize my sinfulness and recognize that I'm going to spend eternity separated from God who created me in His image, who breathed the breath of life into me, am I going to spend eternity in a place called hell where there is only weeping and gnashing of teeth? Because I have rejected Jesus and rejected His Word? Have I truly repented? That doesn't mean saying I'm sorry. It means saying I'm guilty and I need your help, God. 
It's recognizing that there's nothing in this world that can save me, only Jesus. So in repentance, I turn to God because I know God loves me and He has given His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to live for me, die for me, and rise from the grave for me so that I might have life fully and eternally. Another preacher that I listen to, and I I say this in closing, another preacher I listen to sometimes, and I read... I read this article a couple of years ago. I don't even know where to find it now, but I wrote this down. Pastor Clayton King, uh, he was preaching there in Tennessee. I think he moved over to North Carolina. I'm not sure where he's at today, but I wrote this down. Pastor Clayton King said this, If I spend more time on social media than I do reading the Scriptures, the Word of God, the Word of the Lord, then I will be discipled by the opinions of other people instead of being discipled by the Holy Spirit. The reason I wrote that down is because that's what was happening to me. Right? Scrolling through my Twitter, scrolling through my Instagram, scrolling through Facebook. I I, I was more worried about other people's opinions and other people's thoughts than I was being in the Word of God and the Word being in me. You know what Paul told the church in Coloss? Here's what he said to the church in Coloss. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. He said, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then you can go out and you can encourage, you can even admonish, you can sing, you can praise, you can do all these things to the glory of the Lord. I think the problem we don't carry any weight with our words and don't carry any weight with our actions is because we feel with social media more than we feel with the word of the Lord. And you can only fake it for so long. You can only fake it for so long. See, here's the truth. The truth is real simple. If the word of the Lord, if the word of the Lord is truly important to me, then my life will bear the fruit of it. If the word of the Lord is truly important to me, then my life will bear the fruit of it. Galatians, right? I'm using a lot of words from Paul because that's, that's kind of who we, we've been looking at. You know what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5? You know this. He says this in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Anybody want to say it? Love. Let's keep going. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, forgiveness, goodness, faithfulness. That's some pretty good words, right? Here's the thing. If the word of the Lord is truly important to you, it is making a change in you. And that change cannot be hidden. That that changed heart cannot be, it be, it can't be chained. It's unleashed, right? It's unleashed. And so if we're truly in the Word, and the Word is in us, if we're truly calling upon Jesus because His Spirit indwells us and His Word indwells us, then we're going to bear that fruit. And Paul says that fruit looks like this. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's what he says. The fruits of the Spirit are different from the fruits of flesh. Anybody want me to tell you what the fruits of flesh are? Okay, good, I will. Here it is, the fruits of the flesh. Man, this list is long and ugly. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. Ooh, you think that's a coincidence? It's not. 
hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Whatever you're filled with, that's the fruit that you will bear. Whatever you're filled with, that's the fruit you will bear. I had, I had a cup of coffee. Well, let, me, let me back up. I had two cups of coffee this morning. As if I needed them. I had two cups of coffee this morning. I had one at the house. The one at the house was Cinnabon. I love me some cinnamon coffee, okay? Man, that's some good stuff. I'm not here trying to sell their coffee. I'm just telling you it's really good. Okay, when I got to the church this morning, I didn't have, I wanted another one of those, but I didn't have one of those in my office. What I had was caramel drizzle by Folgers. And it was really good. Here's what I'll tell you about those two cups of coffee. That first cup of coffee, there's no doubt about it, there was cinnamon in that coffee. All right? The label told me it was cinnamon. But more than anything, it was the taste that told me it was cinnamon. This morning, that cup of coffee I had right in in there in my office just an hour or two ago, right? That coffee, the label said caramel drizzle. But the label could have lied. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. When it hit my tongue, there was no denying. That coffee was full of caramel. I could taste it. Okay? Here's the thing. You can say whatever you want. You, you, can, keep, you can keep saying whatever you want. You can wear whatever shirts you want. You can tell everybody, I'm a member of Star Baptist Church. You can keep doing that all you want. But it's the taste that will make the difference. It's the experience and the action. That will make the difference. I can claim Jesus all day long, but until I walk with him and talk with him and let him have me, huh, that's where the difference is made. Is the word of the Lord truly important to you? I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that. And here's the thing you'll answer it in two ways you'll answer it with your mouth and you'll answer it with your heart. Let us not just love with words, but let us love with action. The world needs to see Jesus. The world needs to see Jesus. Not just hear about Him. They need to have an experience with Him. Am I getting them there? I hope so. Are you getting them there? I hope so. Because Jesus is the only one who can save them. Jesus is the only one who can set them free. Amen?